Hey guys, welcome to the Drone Horizon podcast. I'm Alex and today I'm joined by Ed Cope. Ed, would you like to introduce yourself? Awesome. Um, hello everyone and uh, yeah, it's awesome to be on this podcast. Um, really appreciate the invite from Alex and uh, I guess to start um, a little introduction to myself. Um, my name's Ed. Um, go by the username uh, Ed Cope on um, Instagram and kind of social media on my website. Um, that's Ed with two Ds as well, which is uh, slightly unusual, but uh, <laughs> there's a, another story in that. <laughs> but um, yeah, basically I'm a freelance photographer based in Bristol. Um, and I, at the moment I cover kind of a range of kind of um, situations and topics with my photography. So everything from weddings through to landscapes um, onto more kind of commercial uh, aspects. And I like to work with kind of small local businesses as well to provide photography for their needs so yeah at the moment it's a real mixture and um what you see on my instagram is kind of the landscape kind of the adventure uh lifestyle kind of side of things um which yeah my drone sort of work as part of that cool well thanks for taking time out of your day um as always we've asked you to send over three pictures that sort of have stories behind them or you know mean something to you um you've sent over three fantastic pictures we'll start off with the one with the houses at the bottom. So do you want to just talk us through that one and how that shot came to be? Yeah, certainly. So, um, yeah, that was basically the first drone shot I took that I was really happy with. Um, So I only actually got picked up a drone um, kind of mid last year, July last year. Um, So I'm still reasonably new to it. Um, I played around with a few kind of friends, drones and kind of people I know. Um, had a quick go on their drone kind of the last few few years. Um, yeah, I picked one up last year and I'd seen this shot, um, which is actually taken in Bristol. And you've got this kind of lovely, um, the houses that kind of bend round and form like almost like an S shape. Um, and I'd kind of seen the shot done previously, slightly different angle. Um, so I knew these kind of houses were there and you've got the like iconic Clifton suspension bridge in the background. And it was basically one, it was a few days after I actually picked up the drone. I'd had kind of just a few test flights of it, get, got used to it. And then, yeah, I headed out. The sky was looking a bit kind of gray, but then I thought, oh, I'll head out anyway, just see what happens with sunset. And yeah, it was quite ironic really because um, I had my regular kind of camera with me and um, I'd actually forgotten to put the memory cards in it. So my plan initially had been because I'm kind of my background's more into in kind of regular cameras um, to go and shoot with my kind of regular camera. So I was kind of faced with a decision. I kind of need to need to put the drone up if I'm going to capture any anything um, that evening. So I sent the drone up and flew across to the to this spot and yeah, just unbelievable. Like kind of sunset just exploded in front of me. It's like one of those things where you're on the ground and you can't like, like, especially in Bristol where I was, you couldn't fully see the horizon. So I wasn't entirely sure what was happening, but sent the drone up just for sunset and obviously getting that perspective as you go higher and higher, all of a sudden I was like, Oh yeah, there's a nice bit of color forming on the horizon. It's going to be a nice one. So um, yeah, it's kind of, I guess that was my first shot I wanted to share because it really is kind of, yeah, the first one I took, where I was really happy with it and just like love the the result of it. And um, yeah, it was great, great fun. And I guess from that moment, I kind of 
got more in and like understood kind of why the kind of attraction to to dream photography um so yeah that's cool shot <laughs> yeah definitely i mean obviously in, in this case you you mentioned that you sort of had to put the drone up otherwise you would have missed the opportunity which i think sometimes is the best way for it to be because you know you're, you're forced into that situation and you have to make those decisions i mean it's a it's a fantastic shot did you take um like dual exposure for that because the sky is very well exposed as is the foreground yeah correct so um yeah with I always basically take free exposures, um, particularly when a lot of my photography, you'll probably notice on my Instagram is taken kind of sunrise, sunset, golden hour sort of time. So I'm usually in kind of lower light situations. So I will take free exposures, um, kind of one that's underexposed, one roughly in the middle, and then one um, with like more exposure on it. Um, and that's so I can then bring them into Lightroom um, and just merge them together and it gives me that kind of dynamic range then which um, yeah the obviously the drone sensors aren't quite as good as like an SLR or mirrorless sensor so to get that kind of flexibility within the file I find works really well and then I'm able to as you say pull out an exposed sky correctly and the foreground correctly um, which is kind of something really important in my photography to be able to do that during the edit. Yeah, as you said as well, obviously coming from a DSLR background, those kind of the basics about shutter speed and ISO and the photography triangle, I suppose, they all help with drone photography and even sort of being a reasonably newbie into droning, you'd be able to pick that up and know how to get the most from the camera. You know, then again, unfortunately, the cameras on, on sort of more consumer drones aren't the best in the world, but you can still capture amazing shots of you as you've proved with this one. 100% and I find the same kind of lessons I've learned through photography are applied to my drone photography so for example I always kind of work with light work with color and then I'll be thinking about kind of various aspects which I like to incorporate in a lot of my photos so for example leading lines um I really, it's quite a strong aspect I try to incorporate in quite a lot of shots, particularly those I share on Instagram. So for example, in this shot with the houses that kind of curve around, that's leading your eye into the scene um, and in like towards the suspension bridge in the background, which is kind of the main focal point. Um, so it's, yeah, as you say, taking those kind of things that I picked up with regular photography and applying it to the drone work that I do, I find for me, that's kind of the way I've always approached it. And I kind of think about it when I'm up in the air and see a composition, I'll be kind of thinking about those little things. Yeah. And that's another thing I love with drones as well. Obviously, you know, living in Bristol, I'm sure you've been past that area before and, and seen the, the curve in the building, but being able to see it from a drone perspective, it, it can really enhance the picture because I mean, for me personally, I like shooting with the drone, but with the camera sort of more towards the horizon rather than sort of your traditional top-down shots. I just find that having essentially a camera in the sky that you can move wherever you want is more attractive to me than getting the top-down shots all the time, um, especially when it comes to shooting things like sunsets and sunrises. Obviously, you want the, you want the, the camera to be facing in the right direction. Um, but being able to take sort of shots where you can get a little bit of both of that so you've managed to capture the sunset as well as sort of as you mentioned the leading lines it it makes for a really really nice shot yeah precisely and another kind of aspect i like to incorporate is to have like a strong subject in a photo if i can so 
as you say, kind of, I guess, drone photography, it like everyone thinks about it, as you say, when you first start as like the top down views, which are like absolutely amazing. And I do still, I don't share a huge amount of top down views with my drone photography because I almost like to, particularly on my Instagram page, merge a regular kind of photo taken on land uh, with the normal camera, kind of seamlessly be able to merge that with a drone photo beside it. So it's not, there's not that like clear divide on my page. It's all kind of quite seamless and kind of similar theme. Um, but yeah, it's, as you say, just getting that perspective when you kind of take a drone up in the air and like all of a sudden it's like, wow, this whole world's opened up like beneath you that, yeah, it's quite a, it's quite a crazy feeling. I think particularly when I first picked up a drone and yeah, the first few times taking it up in the air and it's just almost like you're in a computer game or something, this real kind of crazy feeling, but it's like actually all happening beneath you live. And it's, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it's interesting. I did, and on, on the flip side to that, I also found because I like been taking photos for a number of years with kind of regular camera equipment uh, on the ground, I found when I was taking the drone up in the air, all of a sudden there was this quite kind of disconnect I found between when I was taking like taking photos on land with my camera I'm really in that location I'm in that moment I'm experiencing the view that I'm seeing I'm like capturing that view um and the conditions are like all around you where when I first started with a drone and I took took it up into the sky and obviously you're naturally removed from it so there was kind of like this re thinking and rebalancing in my mind that kind of it took a few months to kind of really get used to it but now kind of as you say when you drive around sometimes you're kind of thinking of these like compo uh, compositions and how it would look from the air and it's a yeah it's a cool thing yeah definitely i mean with this shot in particular did you is this two uh shots merged into one in terms of like a panorama because you've obviously managed to get quite a, a quite a big field of view from the sky all the way down to the bottom. So is that two shots that you sort of stitched together? Yeah, correct. So pretty much all my drone photos, apart from the top down, um, but all the drone photos I post that aren't top down, uh, they're usually three or four, um, a vertical pano with three or four shots stitched together. So um, as you say, it's just for me, it's being able to capture kind of a lot more in the foreground and to the horizon it just gives you that greater greater range and you also end up with a slight bigger file which is uh, quite nice to work with yeah definitely i mean sort of moving on to your second picture which is uh, another bridge shot um again it's a fantastic picture do you want to talk us through this one yeah I most mean, certainly this is um actually a really recent shot it was um new year's day morning that i took this so We'd uh, woken up early for sunrise, and uh, me and my wife, and we headed over to the other side of the suspension bridge that you can see in that photograph. Um, and we kind of went into the woods and had a like coffee and a breakfast in the woods, and kind of watched a bit of a sunrise, which was really cool. And then um, shortly after the sunrise, there's all this mist started to kind of come down um, the gorge um, that the suspension bridge sits over. So it's quite a quite an unusual situation, and um, yeah, quite crazy sort of conditions. So um, yeah, when we when we left and kind of headed back, I had the drone on me, so I thought I'll, I'll send it up. And again, it was one of those shots that 
I'd planned out for quite a while in my mind and kind of Google map research. And like, obviously I know that local area as well. And I'd always, there's a lot of drone photos of the suspension bridge and there's so many amazing ones. And I just had this angle in my mind. I've actually posted another shot from the same angle that was taken in kind of autumn time. Um, so I had this like angle in my mind and I hadn't seen it before. And I thought, again, kind of going back to my first photo and picking up on the same sort of techniques, I knew the road kind of snaked slightly towards the bridge and gave this nice leading line to the image. Um, and then with a strong kind of subject to the suspension bridge again. So I had, I had the angle in mind and yeah, I had these conditions where kind of, I was like, if I can get that same angle as I got in the autumn, but with mist as well, I think it'd be such a, such a cool shot. So um, yeah, luckily New Year's Day, it kind of all came together and um, yeah, sent the drone up. And again, it's, uh, I think that's a free stitch vertical pano. So three shots uh, stitched together. Um, and yeah, to be able to kind of capture those conditions was, yeah, pretty amazing. So another shot I was like really, really happy with. And uh, again, something I wouldn't be able to capture obviously with uh, the regular camera. Um, the drone gives that complete unique uh, perspective to it. Yeah. And obviously with drones as well, you know, you were saying that there's quite a, a well shot area um, and to the reason obviously the DSLR shots tend to be quite similar in, in stars because there's obviously limited points that you can shoot from. Um, and you know, you can stick the drone up in the air and if, if this picture that you've had in your mind wasn't exactly what you wanted, it's easy enough to move it. It's not like with a DSLR where you have to up sticks and go and find somewhere else that's sort of exactly where you want it. Obviously that's, that's one of the main attractions with the drones. You can just put it wherever you want to. I mean, with this shot, how did you find taking off in the fog? Because I've had a couple of experiences with taking off in the fog where the sensors on the drone don't tend to agree with it. Yeah, so um, I was actually, I've flown in the mist and the fog a few times now. On this particular day, everything was absolutely fine because if you look at the shot, you can see the mist and the fog is kind of hanging in the gorge. Um, so I was able to take off kind of outside of that, that misty area. So it was absolutely fine. But um, yeah, I have had a few experiences with um, particularly trying to land when it's a bit misty or foggy and the sensor thinks it's almost at ground level or about to hit the ground. So it's, um, yeah, it can be a bit interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fog, when I've had a couple of experiences flying over water when there's been a little bit of fog and obviously the picture at the end of it looks great, but when you're flying that close and, and the drone isn't really sure where it is, it, it can be a little bit nerve wracking, especially with especially with drones, but I mean, I guess it's just one of those things, isn't it? That's what, that's what insurance is for. Yeah, exactly that. And mist and fog is such a, in terms of any photography um, and like obviously drone photography, just having that mist and fog in a shot is completely, it, for me, it turns like a regular scene into something just like magical and completely different. Um, it's quite a, yeah, it's just an amazing aspect to, particularly in like landscape photography, to be able to include, like have a bit of mist. Um, yeah, it just changes things completely. It's almost the same as when you see a snowy scene. Um, obviously, snow changes a, a landscape completely and makes everything feel completely different. And I, I think mist is the same thing. It's really just, yeah, amazing sort of moment to be able to catch. 
you know, it can really make us things, sort of, as you say, feel magical. It can, it can. I mean, even when it's misty outside in the morning, you look out and it's, you know, it's like it's, it's like you're not in your normal street. It's, it can really, really add something different. Exactly, exactly, and it's um, yeah, it's taken a while to kind of basically research and kind of understand weather conditions to be able to kind of find those moments and like anticipate when they're going to come. Um, but yeah, that's all kind of part of the fun of it. And um, yeah, when you see kind of the forecast in a few days time and there's potential for a, a bit of mist, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a cool thing. Really cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that sort of brings us on to your last picture that you sent over. It's obviously lacking the fog and it's a very clean picture with very sort of sharp lines, but it's still a fantastic shot. Do you want to talk us through this one? Yeah, sure. Um, again, it was kind of a shot that I'd kind of pre-planned and kind of had in mind to capture, again, a nice sort of composition. Um, and it is, as you see, there's a familiar theme developing with these three shots where there is a really strong leading line um, into the image. Um, and in this case, there's a kind of really amazing causeway that heads out to St. Michael's Mount in uh, Cornwall. And um, yeah, I arrived sunrise. So um, yeah, my favorite time of day to shoot is sunrise. I just find, yeah, it's nice and it's nice and quiet. Um, kind of often you get the like dreamy sort of magical conditions. Um, and it's, yeah, just a really cool time to shoot. So I kind of got to this spot um, just before sunrise and um, the tide was slightly lower than it is in the photo. So the path was kind of, or the causeway that heads out to the island was kind of fully exposed. Um, so basically I waited for a bit and um, luckily it was quite, the tide was coming up quite fast. So um, yeah, I just, I sent the drone up and then I just knew if I could time it right and get the water just over the causeway with the the island in the background with the castle on it, just make a, a really cool shot. And um, yeah, luckily it was, quite a clear sky but it was just a nice bit of kind of color came across and um yeah it was amazing just completely still conditions like absolutely perfect for flying a drone there was like barely a whisper of wind and it was also made for that really calm flat sea that you can see in the photo um so yeah it was kind of a bit lucky with the conditions we were down there on holiday and just thought I head out the one morning and just see see what I can get. So um, yeah, just one of those kind of really pleasant surprises that you head out and had have have sort of a bit of an image in mind. But yeah, then it turns out even better than you were anticipating. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I had something similar. I was out in France um, in August last year when travel was allowed, um, and we were staying not too far from Le Mont Saint Michel, which is obviously Saint Michael's Mount's bigger brother. Um, and very similar conditions. I went down there with the intention of shooting because the water was up all the way around the castle um, and I ended up getting a perfect sun, sunset at the same time, perfect drone conditions, no cloud. It was it was like the, the stars had aligned for me and I think that's what makes places like St Michael's Mount and the Mont Saint-Michel good for shots is because they do have that leading line and obviously being, it's not like you're shooting an island because there is that sort of connection that flows from the bottom of the image in in yours in your um, version. Yes, exactly. And I think, yeah, it's obviously all personal preference photography and there would be a similar shot taken without the leading line of that causeway could be equally as spectacular or even better. Um, but it's just, yeah, to incorporate those elements for me 
um, just really helps kind of my images. Um, and I find it's, I love to kind of with my images, be able to take the viewer on a bit of a story so that I kind of goes through the image and takes them on that, that bit of a journey. So, um, yeah, as you say, when those elements come together, it's a, it's a really nice thing to do. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned obviously as, as we've been going through them, that your sort of consistent theme is, is that sort of leading line. I mean, just taking a look at your Instagram, all your shots seem very well put together in terms of sort of color profiles and that kind of thing. Do you want to just talk us through how you go through your editing process? Yeah, sure. So, um, I guess my, the basis of my editing and my style, um, I've kind of built up and it has definitely evolved as well, as well over the last kind of few years. Um, and I think it is just a, a constant journey. So it does constantly evolve and change as you kind of, I guess, get various inspirations and whatever mood you're kind of feeling at the time. Um, but for me, as I said, a lot of my, particularly my Instagram photography is all kind of golden hour, sunset, sunrise sort of time. So I basically play on that and use that in my kind of editing. So a lot of my photos, you'll see a consistent element of orange throughout pretty much as an orange thread that runs through all of them. Um, can't do it hundred percent of the time. Um, if it's like a really green foresty scene, it can be obviously a bit more difficult to do, but um, even in that case, I'll subtly, for example, um, the color grading tool in Lightroom um, on the highlights, I put kind of warmth or like orangey yellowy tones into the highlights and it just gives a subtle um, kind of warmth to it, which um, in my images, I, I kind of like editing that way. Um, and then to get that consistency between my drone photography and kind of the regular land camera, um, I basically just use the same techniques. So, um, when I'm editing, I usually start with like a base preset. Um, so I've got a number of presets, which I've made for myself. Um, and then, yeah, I'll pick one that kind of feels right, but they're all kind of start from the same point. Um, so I've developed them over a few years and they do all have the same sort of consistent things within the preset and within the edit to give that consistent look. Um, so for example, on the tone curve in Lightroom, um, I'd bring up the control point, which sits in the shadows. Um, so I'll bring that up and that creates more of like a matte sort of finish within the shadows, um, which is something I like to kind of bring into the, my photography. Um, and then also another kind of thing I often in a lot of my photos I do is a, a, a gradated filter from the bottom um that kind of again it helps to um bring the viewer's eye into the photo i find um so it's kind of those consistent elements and color um and light just kind of keeping it consistent throughout with uh, kind of each edit yeah and it, it almost adds to sort of your signature style i mean just taking a look at your pictures if if i was shown a number of pictures i could tell they're all by the same person and because of the way that they're taken and the way that they're edited and having that consistency online, I think helps to obviously build your Instagram and build yourself almost a brand um, with, with your color and your photography, which is, is what it's all about. Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head there and it's um, yeah, I, I do think for me, it's quite important to keep that consistent look. And I think obviously some people prefer to post like one image that's completely different to the next image. Um, 
which is it can be really good as well. Um, but for me, just having that like nice theme, I think when someone clicks on the page and they scroll down a bit, and they see all the images are looking like nice and coherent. Um, I just think it makes a big difference for me. And um, yeah, it's, a, it's quite a challenge as well. Sometimes you'll take a shot and it just doesn't quite fit at the time. So a lot of my photography, I won't kind of take and share and edit straight away. I'll sometimes kind of hold on to it for, could be a few weeks, could be a few months. Um, and then once I'm happy and it fits within a certain kind of few photos that I've posted, I then kind of upload it at that point. Um, but yeah, no, it's great fun. Really. So the editing side of photography is almost kind of what my brother basically always taught me. He um, basically went to art college and did photography and he's been into it for kind of much longer than me. And um, I always remember one of the first things he said, because he started out in film photography and then he went over to digital photography. And he always said from the very beginning, digital photography is kind of half 50% taking the photo and 50% editing the photo. Um, and that's something like that's really stuck in my mind um, because yeah, you can take the most incredible photo. Um, sometimes it's very minimal, the editing, um, but then you can also take the most incredible photo and like elevate it even further with just a few little tweaks here and there. Um, yeah. So, so I try and keep the, I don't go too heavy on the editing. Um, if, it depends on the shot. Sometimes I'll play around with it a lot more, but um, just, yeah, overall aim is to try and keep it consistent. I think with sort of old film, I mean, sort of going back probably 15, 20 years when cameras were a lot more basic in terms of what was capturable, editing photos was was never something as popular because the software wasn't as good. You know, edit, increasing the, the contrast in the picture meant going to the black, um, you know, into the into the dark room to try and mess around with film and that kind of thing. So, with the software being as accessible as it is now, it makes it so much easier. And when you're taking a shot, it's I'll, I'll I want to get the best of the conditions now, but I know I can bring it out in the edit. And obviously, with with a lot of the drones that are available, you can shoot raw now. So being able to take a raw shot and bring the colours and the the highlights out in the edit is, as you say, as important as taking the shot. Yeah, most definitely. And it's, it is quite incredible now. Modern cameras, just the, the dynamic range in them to be able to pull out details from like, it looks like the shadows are just completely almost black sometimes when you bring it in and then you bump up the shadows a bit and it's like, wow, it's uh, yeah, quite crazy. But um, yeah, I always try and in terms of regular photography, try and nail the exposure as much as I can in camera. It always helps a lot. Um, and then as we spoke about earlier on, with drone photography to I find taking free exposures um, for me that really helps um, in terms of editing yeah so with your shots when you sort of go out obviously we touched briefly that you do sort of wedding photography and landscape stuff the, the pictures that end up on your Instagram do you take those with the intention of posting them on Instagram or is it a case if you just go out and shoot because you enjoy it and then you come back afterwards and think that would look good here that would look good there kind of thing that's a, that's a really good question. I really like that question. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting point. Um, I think for myself, first and foremost, it's really important to enjoy photography. Um, so my kind of interest in it kind of came about before kind of social media, before Instagram. 
Um, so I guess I've got that kind of deep-rooted kind of enjoyment and love for it before social media came along. Um, but I'd say in terms of your question, it's kind of, and the, my answer to it, it's kind of sometimes it's a mixture of both. Um, I, there's definitely, I never feel like I need to go out and take a photo to post it on Instagram. It'll always be, I want to go out and I want to capture something because it's for my own enjoyment. Um, and that kind of positive kind of loop for me is really important. Um, so yeah, so it is a super in interesting topic though and something really quite, uh, yeah, definitely quite, um, I guess everyone's different. And yeah, for me, I think most important is just enjoy it, um, have fun with it. And um, yeah, I think that's as simple as it is really. Yeah, I mean, just over the course of doing the podcast, a lot of the guys I've spoken to, the pictures that they send over, they've cropped them, especially for Instagram, or they've taken them with the intention of putting on Instagram. And it's sort of interesting to see how, as social media is evolving, and obviously Instagram is as much now a business tool as it is a pleasure tool. So being able to take those pictures and post them. I mean, for me, when I take a picture, I mean, I've got countless pictures which are super wide and way too big to put on an Instagram post. So it sort of seems seems horrible cutting them down into three or four shots to put over like a, a carousel. So it's interesting that you sort of still stick with taking the picture and then looking back and thinking, oh, okay, I'll post it on Instagram. I think it is all about capturing the moment rather than thinking, oh, I've got, I have to post something on Instagram. Let me go out and get some more content. But I suppose with the way that Instagram is developing, you know, that is changing as times are sort of going on. Yeah, definitely. And it's, I guess it is Instagram social media is geared up to obviously they want people posting on it as much as possible so it's kind of having that awareness as well uh, for me um that yeah i do approach it in a way first and foremost definitely enjoy it and uh take the kind of positives and the adventure and the fun that comes with it and a lot of the time as well are kind of for example if there's a really kind of magical special kind of morning for example like a nice sunrise really nice conditions and mist and it kind of it's one of those times where your like mind's completely blown um and you're like you can't wait to kind of look at the back of the camera and see or like look at the drone photos and see what you've got more often than not i'll let that kind of morning and those photos kind of sit for a while um and it's just sometimes i like to kind of let it sit and just kind of take it in for myself and enjoy it for myself not kind of rush the process of like, I need to get it edited. I need to get it posted straight away. I just find sitting on it for me works nicely. And it's just, yeah, part of the, part of the process for me. Um, and it's, yeah, as I've, I've always approached Instagram and um, social media in a positive way and I use it as a positive tool. So it's kind of, I guess, works two ways that I try and make my content as positive as possible in terms of like my imagery um and my captions and kind of who, then who i engage with and like the accounts i follow and i'm using it all for like inspiration and kind of like-minded people so um yeah i think it's an amazing tool and for me used in the right way it can be uh yeah really really powerful and kind of help your photography help your drone work um yeah it's, it's a good thing definitely i mean We've sort of seen a couple of your pictures now. So do you want to give us a run through of the kind of kit that you use? I mean, obviously, 
predominantly will will go into your drone kit, but you can obviously also mention your DSLR stuff and those kind of bits that you use. Yeah, certainly. Um, So as I said, um, kind of last year, mid last year, I decided um, to pick up a drone. Um, And I wasn't, beforehand, I wasn't like 100% sure will I enjoy it. Um, I think because I'm coming from a regular kind of camera background, um, so used to that, I was like, oh, I'm not not entirely sure if I'm going to click with it. So I, the Mavic Mini had just come out. Um, so a base, like I picked up one of those, kind of the base model. Um, yeah, and it's kind of, I still that is still what I'm using to this day. So yeah, it is. In terms of drones, it's like the most basic DJI model that's out there. Um, it's JPEG only as well, which is quite interesting in terms of editing. Um, so I have to kind of work with those kind of, I guess, the weaker points of it. Um, but yeah, for the, I mean, for the time being, I've got possibly plans this year to maybe upgrade to something else, um, with slightly better sensor, slightly better range. But um, I use it, I guess the way I use a drone is kind of I'll get to a location um, and I pretty much send it up from where I am. I won't have like much i won't be like flying absolutely miles and miles from where i'm positioned so for me it works perfectly um and having the portability i mean it fits in my hands i can put it in my camera bag with all my other equipment um i find that aspect of it absolutely amazing i'm not having to lug another rucksack or like a huge rucksack with all the camera gear in. it's just part of part of the gear if i'm in a situation where i can use it um just get it out straight away and yeah it's uh yeah it's a cool little thing i've been really impressed by it actually um i'd say the only kind of major limitation um i found is uh the wi-fi signal on it can be a bit patchy shall we say um so I, like it's fine if i'm out in the countryside or at the coast it's pretty the, i find the range on it is pretty spectacular actually but if i'm in bristol i just need to be really wary that with that Wi-Fi interference from obviously being in a city, um, you can like either sometimes it goes a bit glitchy in terms of like the image you're seeing on your screen, um, or sometimes you will have a signal dropout. Luckily, I've had nothing major, and I'm always, as I said, I know that's a limitation of it, so I work with that limitation. So I won't go like fly it absolutely miles. Um, I'll keep it kind of roughly above me and move like few 20 30 meters either side and keep it at that keep it within my vision um but yeah it's a it's a cool little thing yeah i mean the mavic mini uh, even being obviously the, the the price point that it is it's still a fantastic drone and obviously with the mini 2 now come out which is obviously improving on probably a lot of those points that you've just mentioned obviously it's now got an improved bit rate on the video side of things it, it can now shoot 4k it's got a better uh, transmission technology so I can go that little bit further I mean I know exactly what you mean with regards to the Wi-Fi connectivity because prior to my Mavic I had a Spark um, which operates on the same sort of Wi-Fi technology and flying it in sort of remotely built up areas you'd get dropouts and the video feed would go and you know you'd be sitting there thinking all right okay you know this is goodbye um, but obviously when you step up and obviously if you do eventually decide to upgrade I think you'll look back and think, wow, this is definitely an upgrade. I mean, even with sort of the, the Air 2 now available as well, I mean, the 
what DJI has to offer is just fantastic at the price points. I mean, they have everything at a price point for everybody and having sort of being able to offer that is probably why they <laughs> cover 95% of the market. Definitely. And it's, um, I guess the other point to raise is it's kind of like with camera equipment, it's kind of shows that you don't need the most expensive equipment to capture something amazing. And um, yeah, when you are aware, as I say, of the limitations. So for example, people can capture absolutely incredible images with their smartphone in certain situations. If the light's right, um, if the scene's right, then yeah, it can be as good almost as like a mirrorless or digital SLR image. And I guess it's the same with the drone. Um, obviously if I was to fly in darker conditions or lower light conditions, the sensor starts to get really noisy. Um, but that's something I'm aware of and I know I can't do those sort of situations but um, or shoot those sort of situations. But yeah, working with it, it's, uh, yeah, I've been very impressed. And um, as you say, I think the Air 2 is probably at the moment, a really nice kind of middle ground in terms of price and kind of the technology and I guess the sensors better and the signals better and all those sort of things. Um, so yeah, that does does look a really nice one. Do you find yourself using any filters for the Mini at all? I don't know. I've not really looked to see if there's any out there, but do you use sort of any polarizers or ND filters? I do. Um, yeah, I use, um, I've got a set of ND filters for it. Um, and that's purely for if I'm doing videos on it. Um, so I don't really publish the videos. I've done a few uh, Instagram reels um, and that's basically so I can um, double um, the, sh the shutter speed uh, against the frame rate. So if I'm shooting at 25 frames per second and it's a bright day, I'll put on like an ND8 or an ND16. That'll allow me to go to a, a suitable shutter speed that's like roughly double the frames per second. Um, and I, yeah, I find that works really well, actually. Yeah. Uh, in terms of photography, I don't use any filters on it. I just use it um, as it is. Cool. Um, so sort of how did you first get into photography? I mean, we've obviously discussed that you started off with more DSLR stuff and that's where your sort of interest first came from. But how did that interest sort of come about? Yeah, so um, basically it all started... Um, when I was quite a bit younger, um, we basically, um, my dad um, and my brother, we'd go to motorsport events. Um, so while we were growing up, um, it was basically like off-road rallying um, we were following. So it'd often be going out to like the forests of Wales. Um, and we were kind of, I mean, it was kind of in my teenage years and uh, we'd go out, I don't know, a couple weekends a month and we'd have a really good time, the three of us at these events. Um, and then a couple of my friends started joining us as well. And um, yeah, it was a really, really good time. And basically during those events, uh, my dad first kind of started taking photos. Um, he's always been quite into it and he had a film camera back in the day and he was taking these really nice shots of these rally cars, like really atmospheric. Um, and I just remember some of these images, just like they're still really ingrained in my mind. And then my brother picked up a camera and that's how he kind of got into it. Um, and he again started with film cameras and then it was like a few years went by and I just got to the point where my brother was capturing these like really cool memories that we were kind of going out of the weekends and capturing these bits and pieces. And 
yeah, you'd see these. It wasn't all the time necessarily the cars um, that he's taking photos of. So he's taking photos of the kind of forests, the kind of sunrises, the kind of atmosphere and things like that. And I kind of suddenly thought, yeah, I'd like to give that a go as well. And that kind of ability to be able to capture a moment and then kind of share it afterwards, that really appealed to me. So, um, yeah, I decided kind of invest in a, I think at the time I started with a Canon, I think it was a 20D, so quite an old SLR now, um, digital SLR. Um, and I just picked up kind of, I think it was a 50 mil uh, nifty 50 lens, uh, one of the like nice cheap budget ones, but it gives you a nice result. Um, and that's kind of my starting point. Um, and I was just, yeah, going to these kind of motorsport events. Um, and then slowly it kind of morphed into like more landscape sort of stuff. So because we were going to these like really amazing locations, um, a lot of like forestry, mountainous sort of con- like places and locations, I kind of felt like it'd be really nice to capture that as well. So it kind of morphed a bit from there. Um, and then I moved to basically we were living uh, in Worcester at the time um, in the Midlands. Um, and I was, yeah, mainly taking motorsport photos, a bit of kind of landscape stuff on the side. Um, and then we decided to basically take a year out um, and go traveling. So at that point, I kind of knew I wanted to take a camera and capture some, obviously some of the things we were seeing while we were traveling. Um, so I decided basically I kind of, I had a lot of Canon gear at that point. So I had like a 7200 L series lens, like quite a few nice lenses, but they're all quite big. And I thought um, if we're like backpacking, I want to go a bit lighter weight, doing a lot of like hiking and stuff like that. Um, so I came across one of my friends was shooting with Fuji, uh, Fuji film at the time. Um, and I thought it, they really appealed like the retro kind of styling of their cameras and it's all a lot smaller, a lot more compact, mirrorless, obviously. Um, so I bought a little Fuji before the trip and that was my sole camera, um, which looking back was quite brave because um, it's basically a crop sensor camera, but it's got a f- fixed lens on it. So it was the Fuji X70. Um, so yeah, fixed lens, no zoom. Um, but it was the huge advantage was it. it was pretty tiny and I could pretty much fit in my pocket. So it was with me at all times. I didn't have the light big backpack with all the gear. Um, so in one respect, I was limited, but in another, it opened up loads of opportunities. And I just found over the months while we were traveling, it just kind of blew my mind. I was just like constrained to this one focal length. I just had to like think of the compositions a lot more. I couldn't zoom in. Um, and that really ignited my passion for landscape photography at that point. Um, so that was amazing. And then we got back from that trip, uh, moved to Bristol, um, and then kind of while we've been living in Bristol, I've basically kind of, I guess, followed other sort of photography avenues. So um, there was basically a, a coffee festival happening in Bristol a few years back. Um, and it was the first year of that festival. And um, I basically sent uh, the girls that were running it um, an email. Um, and I said, have you got a photographer for the event? I'd kind of love to do it. Um if you haven't. Um, and yeah, they basically replied saying, we haven't got anyone lined up at the moment. Uh, yeah, happy to, for you to do it if you want. And at that point, I hadn't shot an event or kind of anything of that nature. So 
I was just straight in at the deep end and it was, yeah, it was amazing. Absolutely loved it. Just capturing kind of people in their element in a, like a, something they're really passionate about. It just really resonated with me. And um, yeah, I've shot that festival again since, which has been really good fun. And that's kind of just snowballed and allowed me to, it allowed me to meet a lot of people within the coffee industry, but then they've obviously got connections elsewhere and friends elsewhere. And there's a lot of work I've done in photography that's kind of stemmed from that point. Um, for example, uh, one of the coffee companies I shot for afterwards, um, one of the girls that worked there asked me to do her wedding photography. So it's just kind of snowballed a bit from that point. And um, yeah, I think my overall kind of feeling is if I can capture kind of positivity and people that are passionate or like enjoying a really nice day, like a wedding. Um, and I kind of carry that through to my landscape photography as well. Um, just always thinking about it in a positive manner and uh, capturing the kind of the good vibes and the good feelings. Yeah. I mean, just going back a little bit to where you said you went traveling, it's interesting that you mentioned that you were sort of constrained to that one camera because it almost forces you to be more creative. Because I suppose in, in a world where everybody's got, you know, all the lenses, a couple of camera bodies, you know, tripod if they need it, you know, a couple of drones, a couple of focal lengths, like where you've got all of those tools, it almost can take away the creativeness a little bit because you just think, oh, I can do this or, oh, I can use this tool to, to get the job done. But where you're having to capture everything through that, one camera i suppose it forces you to to be more imaginative with how you want to capture those shots which i guess has helped you grow as a photographer most definitely it's it was almost kind of i guess cleansing in some ways to just be completely limited to that one focal length um as you say it was a lot of time i was kind of having to zoom with my feet so i was uh running back and forth getting the angles i wanted but yeah it made me think about things differently for example kind of incorporating more foreground elements into my photos um, was something that really developed during that trip, I think. Um, but yeah, it's, it is a really interesting aspect because kind of nowadays when I'm, I've, I've basically stayed with the kind of Fuji, um, I shoot a mixture of Canon and Fuji at the moment. Um, and also I've got the drone, obviously. Um, but yeah, I've basically shoot with the Fuji equipment uh, mostly, particularly the landscape work and all the, the client work that I do. Um, and it's, yeah, it is interesting. Sometimes you'll get there and you're, I've now got like a different Fuji body with different lenses. Um, and I find having the drone as well now, there's, I do have to make a decision. Do I want to send the drone up or do I want to take photos with my camera? Um, and I have had a few times where I've tried to juggle the two. So you'll have the drone in the air, leave it hovering and then you're taking photos and it's, yeah, it can get quite stressful, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, most of the time I try and decide on one and kind of stick with that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's all good fun. Yeah. I mean, obviously sort of coming from more of a, a camera background than drones, is there any advice that you can offer for people that are just starting out? Obviously, drone photography is as much about the drone as it is about the photography side of things. So is there sort of any tips that you can offer for people that are just starting out or looking at their first drone and wondering whether it's something that they're going to enjoy? Yeah. Um, I'd say, um, for me, um, if, well, 
I can only speak from my own experience, obviously. Um, but having that kind of knowledge and appreciation for photography with the regular camera really helped my dream photography. Um, so I guess even learning the basics on say a smartphone um, and then taking that knowledge over to a drone could be like a massive help. Um, so for example, kind of, as I mentioned before, leading lines would be something really good to think about when you're kind of up in the air. Um, but then also things like the rule of thirds, um, kind of thinking about light and shadows, thinking about color. They're all things that you can learn on a smartphone. Um, and then you can like take that knowledge kind of up with you in the air, I guess. And it just helps. I find when you're looking for a composition, just thinking about those kind of basic rules in your mind or kind of the things you look for in a photo. Um, so as I mentioned before, like a strong feature to a photo, I quite often look for. Um, it's exactly what I look for when I kind of fly the drone. So yeah, that kind of cross, I guess, knowledge from photography through to drone photography. I, I think that's a, a really powerful little tool. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, even with a smartphone, there's still apps that you can download that give you the sort of opportunity to to play around with ISO shutter speed and, and aperture. So I think those kind of, even if you can get to grips with that before, obviously, because what you don't want to do is, is buy your drone and go out and think, right, I'm going to shoot my first sunset, get it up in the air, and then have no idea what any of the camera settings mean. Now, obviously, you can still shoot with auto, but you may not necessarily get the best picture possible. So I'd sort of understanding those things I think is as important as sort of flying the drone and, and using the drone. Yes, you're yeah, you're bang on. And it's kind of I guess when you first fly a drone, it's kind of there's a lot to think about anyway in terms of flying it and like understanding how it all works and the control. Um so yeah, if you've got a bit of knowledge of the photography side of it, at least you're not having to deal with thinking about all that as well at the same time. Um, so yeah, I think that that'd be a, a good a good kind of starting point and um, yeah, good help. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you very much for taking time out of your day uh, to chat today. It's been really good, and you know, it's been really nice chatting about your your shots and sort of your your experience and that kind of thing. Um, do you want to just remind everybody how they can find you on Instagram and uh, and all your other sort of social media and that kind of thing? Yeah, certainly. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you. Alex as well for having me on it's been a yeah, absolute pleasure to talk about um kind of some of my photography um really enjoyed it and uh yeah hopefully people listening have been able to kind of pull a few tips and tricks out of it hopefully um but yeah um so on social media it's uh ed uh, at ed cope so that's uh e double d c o p e um and then my website is uh edcopephotography.co.uk and those are probably the two main uh two main places you'll find me and um yeah if anyone's got any questions or comments certainly feel free to drop me a message or drop me an email and uh yeah, i'd be happy to talk cool well thank you very much um and all the best for the future amazing thank you very much and okay. uh, i'll speak to you soon yeah, cheers, yeah take it easy cheers Bye.